to be. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Uh, Carol Petz. Hello. And Brian Plank. Hello. As we take a look at last week or so in film, including at the end of this podcast, a review of the new Fantastic Four movie, which we're all really excited about. <laughs> nobody was excited about it. And I nobody... was actually quite excited about it because I like, I like to see these films do well. But yeah, we'll get into this later. Yes, yeah. we... it kind of hasn't done badly. I it's mean, done it badly. It's it's done, it, it took half of what it was tracking for in the US over the weekend. Oh, and come on! But it still made like twenty odd million. There's yeah, a chance. Great. If your film doesn't cost one hundred and fifty million pounds, that's I suppose. <laughs> There's a chance it might make less than Chronicle did. Yes. Oh yeah, and that yeah. would be amazing. That would be brilliant. Um, but anyway, on to the quiz to start us off, where it's it's poised delicately at two all, with the winner of this quiz picking a, no doubt, god-awful film for the other one to watch. Uh, so it's me quizzing uh, Brian and Carol um, as my representatives against Owen. Um, I've moved away from the translation of movie titles into to some kind of foreign. <laughs> Good. <I've... laughs> I liked that one. It was good it was, fun. It was good. It was funny. I was terrible at it. That was funny. I've now gone on to movie taglines. In in <laughs> English, not been translated or anything like that. Just straight All up. Right. Right. Uh, so I'm going to go best to three, but if you're taking ages to get them, then I'm just going to might do like sudden death or something. Um, we'll see how <laughs> good you gonna are. going to go on forever. Yeah. The first one is uh, one man struggle to take it easy. Carol, yes, is it Carol. Falling down? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's all he really wants, I think. Old boy. No. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it's <laughs> old. Boy. What's the Michael Caine one where he shoots all the kids on his estate? Is it that oh, one? Oh, uh, Harry Brown. Yes, yes. that one. It was, it was Ferris oh. Bueller's Day Off. Ah. Of course, yeah. Uh, the next one, then, is On the Air, Unaware. Oh, God, I know this. Uh, good oh, morning, yes. Vietnam. Carol, 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 it's the Truman Show. You're right, Carol. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Okay. The next one up is The Mission is a Man. <laughs> 21 Dresses, or whatever it is. No. I like the way you're thinking, but no. Think the opposite kind of film to that, basically. Dallas Boyers Club. No. Uh, the answer was Saving Private Ryan. Oh, cool. <laughs> right. Next up is Earth. 
It was fun while it lasted. After no. us? No, Owen. Oh. Yeah, no, Car- Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No. Oh. Is it Wally? No. The answer was Armageddon. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> fun. <laughs> well, unintentionally, maybe. Uh, this one is, does for rock and roll what the sound of music did for the hills? Carol? Yes, Carol. Is it the love boat? No. Is it Rock of Ages? No. Is it a Jerry Lewis right. biopic? <laughs> no. School it... of Rock? No. Right and Rock? No. It is. <laughs> Does it have it... rock in it? It is. This is Spinal Tap. Oh, no. How embarrassing. Wow. Uh, That's completely mis-selling, that film. <laughs> um, the last man on Earth is not alone. I legend. You're correct, Brian. It is I am legend. Oh. Very good. Owen, you're two nil down. You're about to lose. A whitewash. Hang on, I thought it was best of three. No, first to three. Oh, first to three. All right. Okay. Next up is love is in the hair. <laughs> Carol, is yes, it Carol. hairspray? No. Oh. Love is in the hair. Is it hair? Is it rock of ages? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll, you'll love it when you hear the answer. <laughs> I'm going to give you the man. No, it's there's something about Mary. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite clever. <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, a slightly easier one now. A romantic comedy with zombies. Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Yes, Owen, well done. You're back in. Let's make it a little bit more interesting. Get in. Yeah, very excited. Uh, we are not alone. E.T. No. Close encounters of the third kind. Yes, Owen. Oh, ah! hold it back. Made Good it voice. really, made it really interesting. Come on, Brian, help me out. He got I Am Legend, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just as good as you are. <laughs> Both of us are worse than Owen, though, so I don't know what this says about us. I don't think it's anything to be proud of, to be honest, how (laughs) how any of you have done it. Although some of them have been quite tricky, to be fair. Mm. Just trying to pick one that's not going to be really easy. No, pick one. Yeah, that's been a problem so far. (laughs) (laughs) It's been too damn easy. Um, Is it Mighty Ducks? No, it's not. Uh, Is it it Ghostbusters 2? I haven't even read it yet. (laughs) Is it Ocean's 12? (laughs) <laughs> uh, this one is tagline just catch it Philadelphia no <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to give you the, the point um, contagion no Airbud. two no go on Carol have a stab in the dark um, mighty ducks no it's Saturday Night Fever Okay. You need to catch. You need to catch Saturday Night Fever. Catch the fever. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. That was just too easy. That's right. That one. Here comes the bride. Bridesmaids? No. Bride of Frankenstein. Kill Bill. No. You're right, Carol. It's Kill Bill. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yes. Owen, <laughs> you have lost. Yeah, don't rub it in. Um, Fine. Going. 
And I believe you have access to all the different Netflixes now. I do. Is that the plural for Netflix? Netflixes? Netflix I. Yeah. Netfly. Netfly. Yeah. <laughs> Flixes. Either way, you've got access to all of them, don't you? Yes. I believe that means you can now watch uh, Next Goal Wins. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, I know. I'm being nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I almost feel like I should say thank you. Yeah, thanks, Carol. Thanks, Brian, for beating me in the quiz. That was quite a yes, nice... I'm trying to you're you're welcome. I'm trying to change things. <laughs> no doubt if I lose the next one, Owen won't pick something good for me to yeah, watch. Yeah, exactly. You know he's not going to pay this back, don't you? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to see if it'll work. I'm trying to make the world a better place, man. <laughs> Um, Who was which football team was it? American Samoa. American Samoa national okay. team. Yeah, and they lost something like ninety-two games in a row or something like uh, that. They they had the world record FIFA affiliated defeat, which is thirty-one nil to Australia. Right. That's been beaten by Micronesia, but it's not a FIFA affiliated game, so it doesn't count properly. But they yeah. got absolutely they got absolutely turned over. Good book on the Micronesia football team called Up Pop Nay, which is really worth reading if you like that kind of thing. Also, but anyway, so Micronesia, a really good answer whenever anything comes up like that on Pointless. What's the yes. Central, Central African Republic? That always yeah. actually, that's always a point. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's got used to the Central African Republic. Um, Tuvalu, also good, and Vanuatu, <laughs> also good. Tuvalu. Just my little tip there, for, uh, especially for James, that one. I was going to say we would ask James, but. <laughs> Perhaps not if we actually want to win. <laughs> as long as he can pronounce it, it's fine. It's when he comes to spelling things, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. On yeah, to... to be fair to him, to be fair, Caravaggio was the right answer. It was just spelling yeah, no, correct. He, yeah, but he did pronounce it Carlavaggio. He did, yeah. I'm afraid. I watched yep. it when it was repeated. Yeah. I can confirm that he did do that. Is this no Richard Herring podcast where you complain about doing badly on Pointless? We're, we're, it's a new section of our podcast. Do you like it? I think it'll take off. <laughs> it's like a weekly recurring thing, though. We can't mention James without mentioning how badly he did at Pointless. Well, I have I have um, podcasted with somebody who's won the chase and failed miserably on Pointless. Have you? Yes. So that's an honour in itself. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on to the news. <laughs> That's like the weakest claim to fame we've ever had on the podcast, by the way. Oh, I've got better claims to fame than that. Don't you worry. Okay. But I'll save them for another day as uh, we need to crack on and do some news. And Carol's really excited because Bill Murray's going to be in Ghostbusters 3. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited about this film. No, I'm trying to get excited about this film because I've been in a state of not wanting this film for so many years. Right. And let me be up front here. It's got nothing to do with them all being women. I couldn't care less i i am allegedly a woman myself uh the women yet that to are be in, proven well you know to be determined uh the women who are in what from what i've seen them are very funny women i have no problem with that at all i just don't see the need for another film but you know it's happening so i was like well you know it's happening i need to you know just accept the fact that it's happening and i listened to a great podcast uh which i won't mention here because i don't want to give them publicity on our own podcast and they're very upfront uh, uh, very upbeat about this all and they're very happy about it so i've been kind of you know maybe it might be okay you know everything oh yeah the car looks really nice the suits look really good and then stuff like this comes out and dan Aykroyd's playing like a fucking taxi driver or something uh, and yeah. bill murray's playing walter peck 
what the hell? Are you trying to make me hate this film? I don't want to hate this film, but you're trying so hard to make me hate this film. I'm very upset about it. If you're going to put Bill Murray in, like, make him Bankman. What, you know, a little nod, you know, just wouldn't, I, wouldn't take much. I think much. he said he didn't want to be Bankman because that was his thing. He didn't want to tarnish it. Mm. I think but, it's his choice to not be Bankman. And it might undermine the sort of back there trying to go with different characters for this as well, if he pops up as Peter. It's like you get an all-female Ghostbusters can't be successful unless we get Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd to come back in their original characters. But Is it a sequel or is it a reboot? It's, it's a whole new thing. Right, so it's, you, it's, you can't, so I, okay, fair you enough, can't so. have Bankman. You in. can't, no. Well, well, from what I know, it's a whole new thing anyway. Basically, um... From what I understand, one of the characters kind of posits the the idea of ghosts and gets laughed out of town, like writes a book and gets completely like slated for it and stuff. Um, and then years later, everything starts going like pear shaped, and, and you know they get called in to sort it out. Um, but I just I don't know. I just think well, why have him in it at all? Then you know what, mm. what's the point of him being in it at all? Just get someone else in to play the EPA guy. What's you know? If you're I'm gonna sure have any other talented actors out there who can play as like I can't take Bill Murray seriously as a snotty nosed government official come on <laughs> can't imagine Bill Murray as being dickless exactly <laughs> yeah but I just think if you're going to have a minute you just have him as a cameo as their yeah, or as, as their old as their you know original character and just be like oh they've they've retired now or something that's them Pop well, just as a proper cameo, like a cameo is supposed to be, like you see them in the background or something. Or, or like a Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Maybe. <laughs> get eaten by a ghost. No, but apparently this is going to be, well, this is all just speculation at the moment, obviously. We don't actually know what's happening. It is Slimer in it? I don't know. I'd like him to be in it. There is actually a petition to get the woman who played Slimer in the, in the two films, like a, a cameo role in the film, which would be great. I think, because no one would actually know what she looks like, except for us <laughs> hardcore nerds. It's <laughs> Rick Moranis making his long-awaited return to film. No, no, he's not. As, as far as I'm aware, anyway. He's a, he's a very good um, country and western artist, actually. He's got quite a few good albums out. He's got quite a decent voice. I mean, like, he's really good in Little Shop of Horrors, anyway. But um, he's still still got it. And he right, still looks, right. like, exactly the same as well. It's quite scary. Maybe he's immortal. I'd like to think so. If one person had to be immortal in this world, I'd like it to be Rick Moranis. <laughs> what? Would it, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> or, or Ron Howard's brother, who was in every film in the 80s. Yeah. What, Clint yeah, Howard? But Rick Moranis, I think. Anyway, yeah. let, let's not talk about this anymore, because it depresses <laughs> me massively. Okay, so the other piece of news we've had this week is the Deadpool trailer has been released. Yeah. And um, I like when I saw it ages ago when it was leaked from the Comic Con. I say ages ago, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago, and it was really quite poor quality because obviously someone had just filmed it on their phone and put it on YouTube. Um, but I hate it when folk do that. Pardon? I hate it when folk do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they get the phone out and point it at the screen. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I don't mind the trailer, but the the reaction on my Twitter feed was either people going, oh, this was really funny, it's going to be brilliant, or people saying it was 
absolutely horrendous looking. I think um, if you think it's horrendous, you don't really get dead porn. It's not really aimed at you. No offence. Yeah, it's it's very very faithful to Deadpool. Yes, and if you like Deadpool, that is the film for you. If Deadpool's not for you, then it the film is not for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was really Deadpool. funny. I thought yeah. it was really good, even though I had watched the the comic on one, the leaked one as well. I really enjoyed seeing the the proper high quality version. Yeah, the red band mm. one. I haven't seen the green band one. Total waste of time, I, in my opinion. <laughs> I watched the green band trailer first because that's the first week I got. Then I watched the red band one and thought it's not that different. Oh. Oh, they don't have a head anymore. Yes, it's quite different. (laughs) (laughs) So, for those of us who don't know too much about these things, who is Deadpool? What's he all about? He's got a superpower of having cancer and a healing factor. Well, it is. Um, Yeah, it is. Basically sarcastic and has swords and shoots people for fun. If you are 14 years old, this is going to be the best film you've ever seen. Yeah, my brother can't wait for it. My brother's like 17 years old. He absolutely cannot wait. It's basically for people who like to kick ass, really, isn't it? I think. The film. Is that a fair assumption? The first one, obviously. Yeah, nobody likes the second one. And and where does it kind of... I mean, again, this is just me making questions leading into getting answers we want, but which studio is making it? Is it going to fit into any other overarching... Overarching world or universe or is it just a standalone um it's got get like an x-men deadpool fantastic four crossover it's got colossus from the x-men but it's a different actor playing colossus oh yeah i noticed he's not like uh the guy who played colossus originally whose name has escaped me at the moment uh got offered it but it was going to be entirely cg you don't actually see him at all it's just going to be him as metal basically Mm. all the time so he um, so he turned it down. Vain. <laughs> you could, yeah, that's one way of think, looking at it. But no, mm. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, because you could, you could quite easily have, like, you could, it's probably not going to happen that you'll have Wolverine dropping into it, but it'd be nice to, you know, that possibility is there. You wouldn't even have to have the claws on, actually, would he? Because he's only said he's putting on the claws one last time, hasn't he? He hasn't said he's playing Wolverine one last time. So, well, didn't, yeah. didn't he get his claws chopped off at the end of, the Wolverine. He had the yeah, metal claws chopped off and then he had them back in Days of Future Past. We've had, yeah, we've had Days of Future Past since then. That, that wiped out everything, including X-Men 3. So that's, you know, something to be thankful yeah. for, I think. So to kick us off with what we've been watching then, Brian, why don't you tell us what film you've watched in the last seven days or so? I went to see Inside Out last week and I was going to give it a miss and then I saw that Amy Poehler was in it. So well, I have to do that one. Yeah. Because I love Parks and Rec so much. And she's basically playing a Leslie Nope in that she's all hyper all the time. She plays a physical embodiment of joy as an abstract concept that exists within your mind. <laughs> Just going back one, it's a yeah. cartoon, it's animated, uh, about it's set inside the head of a teenage girl. It's about the five main emotions, um, anger, disgust, fear, sadness, and joy that that run this girl's mind as she moves from the family home in Wisconsin, or is it Minnesota? Somewhere up north. Yeah. yeah. To San Francisco. And it's a film about depression. 
and about being depressed and what it does to you. It's super accurate, it's super on point, it's explained very well what happens to you when you're depressed, and it's the most fun you can have in a film about your personality shutting down. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. I've got a few pals who've got depression, and we all say, but that's what it's like. Mm. But it's fun, and it's easy to explain, it's easy to see why people do things that they do. I think it's magic. Um... I think it's really good and it's fun and it's funny. I think it's great as a sort of explanation for those sort of things in a sort of um, non-patronising way, I guess. You'd think it might be a bit patronising because it's about cartoon emotions that pull a lever and it makes you sad or happy sort of thing. But I thought they handled it quite well. But that's Pixar for you, I guess. They're very good at being very grown up and very accessible at the same time. Yeah. Because Wally was similar in that sort of sense, um, with the um, in, with it, with his interactions with the with the other robot that I can't remember Eve's yeah. name. Yeah, that was it. Um, all of that kind of building friendship and stuff was quite quite on point in that. So I think yeah, they've got form for doing this sort of thing quite well. They haven't done it so much lately though, have they? Let's be honest. What was the one before? Um. Monsters University. I was, was going to say Monsters thing? University, but have they not had one since then? Honestly, because that was... Well, it was the cars or planes or yeah. Well, plane, planes was up. planes wasn't Pixar, was it? Planes was Disney, but set in the world of Pixar's Cars. Yeah. There was definitely like a Cars two. Yes. And Monsters University, which was rubbish. Then was it was it Brave before that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, which, which was I okay. liked Brave. I liked Brave. I thought Brave was good. Um, I like the, the, the protagonist in it, uh, again, his name, it, it, yeah, I thought she was, I thought she was quite an interesting character for them. Um, but I guess the Incredibles is probably my favorite Pixar film, which is a bit fitting for this podcast because that's basically yeah. the fantastic four. <laughs> um, the Incredibles isn't just the best Pixar film. It's like top five of films. You reckon that high? I, I, yeah. Okay, I was so really looking to watch it. It belongs right. up there. It's yeah. not just good for a cartoon. It's good without any limitations put on it. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree absolutely. Oh, I've, not seen, I've not seen it for a long time. It doesn't seem to get shown as much as like other films of its type. No, it's not on TV as much as Toy Story, for example. No. Is it? No. I think the, the the films that they've made since Toy Story have matured quite a bit because Toy Story is a bit basic, isn't it? Really, I mean it's quite entertaining, I suppose, and it was brilliant at the time. But I think the second one is just like a, a high point, to be honest. I mean, all the like we were, like you were talking about just now, all the themes that have that have, that have gone through in that, you know, basically being made obsolete and, you know, being left behind for a kind of newer model. That just applies throughout so many levels of life. Like, whether you're a kid leaving school and you're going to a different school to your friend and they, you know, go and make new friends at their new school, or whether you're like a 40-year-old guy who's being laid off for a machine that does your job for you, you know, it's just like, it resonates everywhere. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I didn't like? Well, I haven't seen Inside Out, but 
the one that, I just thought out of the five emotions, four are negative. This not doesn't seem to be the well, balance. But I guess the point of the film really is about that it's all in balance. You know, you might have one that's more. Yeah, you might have one that's more like dominant, but that's just because everyone has a different personality kind of thing. Yeah. And it, the way they're introduced, fear is used as a way to keep yourself safe. Yeah. So not as a thing that shuts you down from stuff, but here's what stops you running in front of traffic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's only negative if you use them that way. Although when it is only... No, that would be a spoiler. We'll, we'll not do I was, that. Yeah, I mean... It, it, Sadness is the one that's difficult for them to get to show as being a positive, I suppose. That's kind of the story, in a way. But, yeah, I mean, you can't really say too much about it because it would just ruin ruin everything about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, Brooker reviewed it on our website. He loved them. No, he didn't, actually. Cal- Callum did. But Brooker saw it before Callum. But Brooker absolutely loved... Um, inside there and he's got a young girl as well and he was just thinking about like the way it, it sort of copies her behavior and stuff and i thought yeah it's quite in, quite interesting i suppose for parents it must be quite good and for young kids who are approaching that age or at that age it's probably works on their probably works on their level as well so yeah it was it was one of their better all-round films for, for a little while probably mm, since up there are some really young kids in the cinema with me like four or five or something they got kind of bored at the end of it hmm but I think apart from that, they were they were dead on for it. Yeah. Okay, uh, Carol, what have you seen this week? Um, well, last week I went to see a um, a preview of a film that came out on Friday called The Diary of a Teenage Girl. And can I can I just say, by the way, it's not as shit as that title <laughs> makes out. It's a really shitty title. I mean, it's kind of true, but it just makes it... I was in two minds about whether to go, but I had this free ticket and I was like, well, you know, I, you know, I might as well just go. And I'm really, really glad that I did. Um, you may have heard about this film because uh, it got rated 18 uh, when the uh, distributors were pushing for a 15. And But, it, but it, it's about a teenage girl um, and kind of her sexual awakening. So it, it's aimed at 15-year-olds, uh, but unfortunately they've been kind of pushed out due to this decision, which I'm not going to say whether it's right or not, but the the reason that the BBFC have given is because on on the certificate at the front of the film just says it's because of sex scenes, but then um, the re- there was a representative of the BBFC on radio last week saying no actually it's about uh, drug scenes and sex scenes etc without any real consequence so I can kind of see where they're coming from there but they should have put that on the certificate if if that was their actual decision. Mm. Um, Anyway, so it's about a um, a girl who's about 15 years old, uh, Minnie, and it's set in 1970s San Francisco. Um, and yeah, she's kind of going through a lot of kind of hormonal changes. Um, and she has uh, her mother is kind of a, it's kind of like a, a good time party girl, and she has a, a boyfriend who uh, Minnie kind of starts getting involved with. Um, and it's a really really interesting film. Uh, it's got some really mature uh, performances. The, the uh, girl who's the uh, who plays Minnie is uh, called Beth Powley. I think she's been in some British TV. She's actually British. I had no idea she was. Hmm. Um, and uh, the boyfriend is uh, Alexander Sars- uh, Skarsgård, 
who is from True Blood, but he's been in another couple of things. But I didn't actually realise he's Stellan uh, Skarsgård's son. I had no idea. Is he? Yeah, I had no oh. idea. Um, but yeah, he's he's really good. And the uh, the mummy's played by uh, Christian Wieg, who going back to our Ghostbusters uh, <laughs> discussion earlier is in that. And I, I really like her. I think I think she's good. Everything I've seen her in, she's been really good in, and and she's really good in this as well. It's just um, three really kind of. Uh, good performances, especially I think Alexander Skarsgård, who is kind of really good as this boyfriend who is a lot older and, and shouldn't be, you know, he's very flattered by this 15-year-old girl showing an interest in him, um, but doesn't ever seem to want to take responsibility for his own actions, you know, just kind of fools around and, and doesn't really think of the consequences, etc. Um, so, yeah, it, it's all set against this, uh, against the background of a... Um, of a real life news story that was going on at the time where a girl was kidnapped and she was being coerced into doing things against her will. Well, the, the idea was, was she being coerced against her will or was she doing it willingly? And it kind of draws a really interesting parallel between this real life case and Minnie. Is she being coerced or is she doing things of her own free will? Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just a really, really interesting film. And I'm just so annoyed that, that 15-year-olds can't go and see it because, to mm. my mind, there's not really much wrong with it um, in relation to that. And actually, I think it's quite an important film for, for 15-year-olds to be seeing. And it's just, it's just really strange that a lot of the coming-of-age films that we see, and I'm sorry if I'm going to risk coming off a bit feminist here. <laughs> I apologise in advance. Uh, but a lot of coming-of-age films that we see always involve like the male protagonist, and, and that seems to be perfectly fine. But along comes one with a female protagonist, and it's kind of, oh, no, it's, can't, can't show that, because it's, kind of, it's very morally complex. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Um, but it's, it's really, really interesting. And if, if it's on near you, I would definitely recommend going to see it. It seems like an American version of an education. Um, I haven't seen an education. With the Mulligan. And Peter Sarsgaard, isn't that? He's not related. But I don't think he even spells his name the same way. But there, so <laughs> why would he be related? But um, that's a really good film, An Education. It seems like it deals with a similar sort of thing about a girl who's quite young and sort of with an older man and the, the relationships are in that. I think that's set in the 60s. So yeah. it's probably about the same. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's really inventive as well. There are a lot of, because uh, uh, Minnie wants to become a comic book artist, and there's a lot of um, kind of sequences where she's drawing, and then the drawings come off the page, and they're sort of, you know, okay. interacting yeah. with her in, in the real world and stuff. So that I found that really inventive, um, because probably then, as, as of now, there, there weren't really a lot of comic books aimed at girls. I think mm. we've got it pretty good at the moment, to be honest. Um, but yeah, really, really good film. Not as crap as the as the title makes out, honestly. <laughs> it is a pretty crap title. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay, uh, this week I have seen, among other things, Gone Baby Gone, which is uh, directed uh, and screenplayed by Ben Affleck and starring his brother Casey Affleck, um, as well as Michelle Murnahan, Morgan Freeman, Ed Harris. Um, basically, Casey Affleck's character is a private investigator along with his his girlfriend, Angie, who uh, are hired by the aunt um, and uncle, I think it is, of the, the, the girl who goes missing, whose mother is a drug addict and <clears throat> pretty much a, a waste of space, especially as a mother. And the, the plot kind of 
descends from there. It's quite hard to talk because it's it's not a new film. But I don't think too many people have seen it, but there's quite a lot of plot twists. So it's, I'm not going to get into too much of that in case people haven't seen it because I will end up spoiling it. Um, one thing I will say, is anyone else getting annoyed with Morgan Freeman just appearing in, like, every film ever? <laughs> like, it, it yeah. just seems like his, like, in this film, the, the main, there's, there's sort of four, three or four of the main characters put in really good performances. So Casey Affleck, Michelle Murphy, and Ed Harris, uh, and the guy who plays the other cop, whose name I don't know, but he's not in it for too long. Um, but they, they, that's really, really good performances. They really work well together in their different roles, um, you know, as private investigators or police. Um, trying to kind of ultimately get the same goal but doing it different ways. And then Morgan Freeman, it's not a cameo, but it's, like, it's a, a secondary character. And he just seems to have so many of these roles now, and it just sort of seems like he's phoning it in all the time. But if he pops yeah. up in a film that has been made in sort of the last 10 to 15 years, I just think, really? You're just getting him in because it's Morgan Freeman and it's a big name and it's going to draw you to people to the film more. Or it's a big deal to have him in the film because he's not doing anything. But is he box office though, really, Morgan Freeman? Do people go to see films for Morgan Freeman? That's Would what it I influence mean. someone one way or the other whether they went to see Oblivion because Morgan Freeman? Well, no, that's, that's, that's what I mean. He's he's obviously a very very good actor, but he just seems to be diluting what he's doing his his quality by appearing in just everything and and not being that great. Just sort of being just plodding along and. I, I do in. think I do think this film is quality though. I've only seen it in the last yeah. or something. I, I don't think this is the film where you can accuse him of. I think that's wanted. <laughs> is he doing the same thing all the time? Are yeah, seeing the, the wise old man. Morgan yeah. Freeman yeah. is Morgan Freeman in. <laughs> yeah. On. But, no, but no, like Carol's saying, this film is really good. It's very gripping. It's very, um, you know, dark in places. It's very. You, so you start. You can't really talk about it too much because you will give away the plot. There's lots of twists and turns in it. Some some are obvious, is or I think are obvious. Some some are not so obvious. Um, and obviously you've got characters coming into to sort of moral issues as well. Um, but no, I think it's 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 fantastic film. Good good performances from like Casey Affleck, Ed Harris, Michelle Monaghan, and and um, another good film in. Ben Affleck's directing career. I really liked how um, at certain points it's really ambiguous, isn't it? Yeah. And it just kind of leads you to make your own make your own mind up on on certain characters and their motivations. Yeah, it's it just like, what do you think? It doesn't kind of lead you into the, the film doesn't ever make you think he's done this and he's right, or he's done this and he's wrong. It's like he's done this. What do you think? Does that mean that you get given a baddie who you can understand why he's doing, like, I think, is he actually the baddie? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. (laughs) Who's the real monster here, Stu? I mean, mean, there's there's lots of, there's there's a few, there's a few goodies that are doing baddie type things. Does that make them a goodie still, or are they a baddie now? Maybe it's not as black and white as that. No. Grey areas. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but no, I'd recommend, because it's, it's not kind of, even though it's it's a Ben Affleck film with Morgan Freeman in it, it's not kind of the, the most, I suppose, not that well-known, is it? Especially I think the it was his it... first film, wasn't it? Ben Affleck's first film. Wasn't it was his first film with Ben? 
Yeah, I don't know how I I couldn't work with my brother in that um capacity. I'd kill him. <laughs> Does that mean Casey Affleck might pop up in the Batman film? I'd actually really like that. Do you reckon? I'd, I'd like him yeah. to turn up as Robin. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know it makes sense. <laughs> but but which Robin? Ah. Uh, or like... or if you have Casey Affleck being um, Thomas Wayne when he gets shot. Because oh, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to see the, that again, aren't we? The, the mum and dad get shot and the, the pearls fall to the gutter scene because yeah. everyone has to do that. Yeah, yeah. we are definitely see it. I think it's in the trailer, that bit. We definitely have to see that again. Oh, yeah, because nobody but knows no it. No one's I mean... really aware of what happened. No, even this is old and grizzled Batman, not origin story. No one knows anything about him. <laughs> just an absolute enigma <laughs> anyway um, Owen what have you seen um, I'll try and make it quick because I think I've talked about this before on the podcast um, but it's one of my favourite films uh, it's Apocalypse Now I watched it again earlier today because I started to read Joseph Conrad's book Heart of Darkness and I'd, I've never read it before and I'm only like probably halfway through if that Um and it's really, obviously it's really good, but it's it's a bit strange and unusual to read in sort of the language that he uses. And particularly with regard to, you know, it's quite controversial because of some of the, the racism angle to it. Because it's about a guy who sails down a river in Africa, down uh, the Congo, I think. And it's kind of about imperialism and how the black people there, the the African uh, tribes people were treated and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's quite, it's quite a difficult subject for me to tackle in like three to four minutes on a podcast, but Apocalypse Now, the film, doesn't really go down that angle quite as much as the book has so far, I don't think, or at least not as subtly as that, because Apocalypse Now transpi- uh, trans... What's the word? Fucking transports the film, uh, the story, from from in the African Congo to Vietnam and Cambodia. And it was Francis Ford Coppola's film in 1979. Um, just looking, I think it was released over here in the December. So it was just, just the very end of the, the 1970s. Um, but it's just, it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. I've seen it twice. Uh, I've seen the theatrical cut twice now, and I've seen re- the Redux cut once. In fact, the first time I watched Apocalypse Now... I watched the Redux version the next day because I was just sort of fascinated by it. I thought it was absolutely superb. Um, I think one of the things it's quite well known for, which I don't really know too much about yet, but I am going to change that, is the fact that it was a really like terrible production they had during, during the making of the film. It's quite well known for um, Martin Sheen was practically dying through, through the making of it. Marlon Brando was sort of, well, just being Marlon Brando, basically. Um, you know, but it's got a great cast regards, uh, regardless. Of, that's a Robert DeVal's fantastic in it. Um, although he's, he's only in it for a little while, but, you know, you get to see him as this surf-obsessed colonel in the army. He sort of annihilates an entire village of um, Vietnamese just so he can go surfing on the riverbank there. Um, you've got Dennis Hopper in it as a sort of journalist who's 
really good. I mean, he's also not in it for very long, but he's great. You've got a really young Lawrence Fishburne, who's great. Um, cameos from Harrison Ford, uh, who sort of pops up quite early on in one of his early roles. Um, a guy called Fe- Frederick Forrest, as, who play, Frederick Forrest, who plays uh, Chef on the boat as this 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 boat travels down the down the river. It, it just it's full of absolutely outstanding performances and it's they're only made even better when you realize that like i said the cast were just half dead through the making of it but there is a documentary which was released in the 90s called hearts of darkness which loads of people have told me i should watch and i'm doing my best to track it down at the minute because it sounds fascinating but it's all about the making i think some of some of the the footage they use in that documentary is just like it's from um Francis Ford Coppola's wife, who secretly filmed things without Francis Ford Coppola actually knowing or being aware. So they talk about things like how Marty, Marty Machine was nearly dead and what they're going to do if he dies and all that kind of thing. So I'm really fascinated to, to learn about it. But um, yeah, I mean, as for the film itself, it's just iconic. Everything from like the first scene where um, you've got like this hazy dreamlike thing with Martin Sheen thrashing about in this in his little room as he's on r&r in the army uh all the way through to sort of the end scenes with with brando and the sort of um sacrifice that that's the, also the film is quite controversial for that sort of film the, the sacrifice of a, a cow um which really happened and it's just brutal it's horrible but it's like that's what the tribes people of this cambodian little village were doing and they just decided to film it you know it's kind of but anyway yeah i won't go on about it anymore like i said i've, I've talked about it before in, in the past it's just fantastic it's probably probably the best vietnam war film possibly even the best war film ever made i just Owen, love it do you want to hear an interesting uh tidbit about this film please uh, yes lawrence fishburne you mentioned he was um when when they started filming this yeah. this film <laughs> they asked him how old he was do you know yeah. this one I do, but carry on. <laughs> they asked him how old he was, and they said, you've got to be 17 to, to film on here. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm 17. He was actually about 14 or 15. Yeah. By the time they finished, he was 17 years old. It took that long to film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can see him age through it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, like, he's almost twice the size by the end. It's amazing. Um, he's twice the size again now. Yeah, <laughs> and more. Um, Actually, no, I've been watching him in it. He's, he's doing sterling work in Hannibal at the moment, and he does seem to have lost quite a lot of weight between the second and third series. Yeah. I remember seeing him in uh, Predators. He looked quite big in that. Yeah, I think I think he's slimmed down significantly since mm. then. Yeah. He's great in Hannibal, though. He's really good. I'm really enjoying Hannibal right now. And, of course, he is part of the DC universe. He was in uh, Man of Steel. Perry, isn't he? Yeah. And he's coming back for the next one. He was chunky in that. He was. But I love him. I think he's a brilliant actor. How are they going to do that then? Because that, doesn't Man of Steel just follow on from... Uh, sorry, doesn't Batman vs Superman just follow on from Man of Steel? Because there are bits in the trailer that actually happened in Man of Steel. Yeah. How, are they just going to pad him up? How they, just, they literally just lost like six stone in, in six hours. That's not really going to work. They're going to just have to cut, him cut up. out carbs. That's all he did. Yeah. No, <laughs> no carbs before marbs. <laughs> <laughs> Time now then for what you've all been waiting for. That's our review of the new Fantastic Four movie, or uh, Carol, as it's otherwise known. Fan four stick. According Fan-four to the poster, stick. that's what it said. I genuinely did hear someone call it that on on Sunday morning when I went to see it as well. Did they? Yeah. 
What, completely, like, seriously? Fan, one for fan four stick, please. Absolutely <laughs> true. Quality. Good lord. Um, did, the, did the guy behind the counter know what he was on about? I, I didn't really... I wasn't keen on hanging around the uh, the foyer for this one, I wanted to, so I didn't really want to make it be known that I was uh, going into it. Cause, get in and get out quickly, yeah. Yeah, get, get in and get out. Um, yeah, it's not it's not our great reviews, is it? It's kind no. of at 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I think that's probably harsh, but it is not a good film. Well, yeah, I mean, no. the thing with Rotten Tomatoes is you, it comes down on one side or the other, doesn't it? So Yeah. Um, I think the... the the fan one is currently at about 50%, which I think is probably... Oh, no, 24%, sorry, 24% now. More people have seen it. I think that's probably fair. Yeah, IMDb's got it at 4.0 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's fair, you know. I'd say it was about 4 out of 10 if I was going to rate it. Not because it'd fit as a pun, but I just think it's... That's just about all it is. I don't, th- I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but... It's not a good film so, by any stretch. I mean, obviously, another pun. Stretch. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Obviously, it had <laughs> had lots of problems. Um, the first, you know, many of which came from Josh Trank, who had done Chronicle before, and then this was his next thing. Um, but it seems like his his actions and behaviour um, around this film have not helped things. It even led to him being kicked off a, a Star Wars movie as well. Uh, allegedly, or maybe so not allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, it, it was quite well known at the time that it was being made that there was a few um, issues with the film and with Trank and uh, some falling out with um, Fox over the, the production. In fact, you know, the, the rumour is they made him reshoot a lot of the film and add more action into it, which... If that's true, I hate to see what it looked like without any action, because, like, as in, in its original form, because all of the action is reserved for about two scenes, and one of those is just so rushed. It's, yeah. But, anyway, I mean, I'm talking quite a lot about it. What, what did you guys think of it? Did you guys like it or not? Do you know what? For the first three quarters of an hour, it's actually okay. It's actually quite a competent film. I remember checking my watch at the hour mark, though, and thinking, when they just got their powers at the hour mark, and thinking, they've got to get a shift on here. I know this film's only half an hour long from this point. Uh, What's what's happening now? And I think, I I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to, to say that it all just falls apart on one card of three words, which is one year later. Mm. Yeah. Why? Why? Why have we gone a year forward? The the pacing is so bad. The first forty minutes aren't Act One; they're like a prologue. (laughs) The the time it spends when they're children—that's here before the titles bit. And then you do the origin. Like the origin is important if it tells you something about what makes them people. But they put so many bits in that they never pick up. They they go, they develop so many things that they never use. Like, okay, Ben gave Reed a pocket knife. Now that'll be important later. No, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, Johnny's now working on this, and he's, things he's worked on before, like his Honda, they they've broken down. That'll be no, it's not. <laughs> it's if you were to to graph and do like lit, literal plot threads, they're all dangling at the end. 
and then all new plot threads come in in the second half. It's so poorly organized and so poorly constructed. They spend so... It, it's really decompressed mm-hmm. and it's really underdeveloped. And that's kind of unforgivable for me. It's... I don't know whether it's just because he's not really perhaps experienced enough for a film of this size. Um, just the, the director Josh Trank. But, you know, you, you're right. There isn't really any excuse in getting the pacing of it so wrong. The, 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 I guess the problem is they've tried to write like a two and a half hour long film, squashed like the first two thirds of it into a 45 minute film, and then the rest of it just quickly scrabbled through to get to the end. Um, and the ending of it is terrible. It's really bad. The, the, there's no conclusion really to the story but half of the characters just this is like my biggest problem problem with the film half of the characters just disappear for at random intervals in the film for, for quite a, a big piece of the film ben just wanders out of it after a bit you know he's there all through um the childhood with with reed and then reed gets to the lab and it's just like yeah this is this is you i'm, I'm off for a bit see you later we've been friends since childhood but you know, I've worked on all these projects that have got you to this point, but yeah, fuck it, I'm just going back to the scrapyard. See you later. See, but there's a theme that is... I don't know if it's hinted at, or if it's just in Trank's head, but there's a theme of loneliness, because the characters are kept apart from each other. Like, Ben yeah. doesn't belong at Reed's new place. Victor um, is separated for a year from anyone. We ben is literally in a cell for a year. And that sort of fits with the theme of, oh, we're stronger as a group, but they don't express it properly. I don't know if it's just, like, a subconscious thought that Trank had about, I miss everyone, or what. (laughs) But the film is a film about loneliness. Yeah. You're right, you've hit on the the nail on the head with the, the, the thing about how it's meant to be that they're better together because certain scenes occur in this film where they aren't working together and things go to shit. It's only when they're all together at the end that they can, you know, work together and do what whatever they need to do. But, you know, it, there's a point in the film, I know, Carol, you were really annoyed about one particular aspect of Sue Storm's character and how she's annoyed about the whole of sue storm's character to be perfectly honest um can i can i just uh, raise a point though that you uh, spoke about earlier with the reshoots you can mm-hmm. tell what's a reshoot by looking at sue's hair yes if it's yeah. a bright blonde wig it's a reshoot yeah because at first i thought oh you know maybe she's changing it and i thought oh no she hasn't actually got her powers yet has she so that's actually just <laughs> a massive mistake um yeah i was just really well to be honest like the whole the whole group dynamic here i know you know it's meant to be like a, a super group and they come together at the end and everyone's seen the bit in the trailer it's like oh he's not stronger than all of us which is a terrible line it's delivered horribly um but you know you never actually even the way they get their powers is completely disparate like without wanting to give it away too much sue just gets her powers by proxy basically just because she happens to be standing in a certain place she doesn't actually get it by doing the same thing as everyone else does to go and get their powers which just it just really really annoyed me mm. and just the fact that you never 
you never see um, certain characters together. You never see Sue and Ben talk alone. You never see Ben and uh, Johnny talk alone. So at the end, where Johnny insults insults Ben because that's the thing he does, it just comes across really horrible. It does. It's like a massive (laughs) dick. Yeah. Uh, Johnny's casual digs about calling Victor Adolf and Borat because he's Eastern European. They've not built up Johnny being charming enough to have him be a dick. No, absolutely not. And and as much like I'm not a massive fan of the um, two previous uh, films, but. They they are aimed at a much younger market. I I think to be honest, like my my brother was about eight years old when they came out, so he he loves them. You know that that was his kind of younger kiddie superhero film. But I think the thing between Ben and Johnny, they actually one of the few things that got right was the was the dynamic between Ben and Johnny. I think I thought that was really good. Um, yeah. And it's just not there in this film. It just comes across as nasty and mean. And it's just like, no, I don't think anyone comes out of it particularly well, to be perfectly honest. The the only, like up until the halfway point, the only folk who don't come across as assholes are Sue and Ben. And because, that's because they haven't really been in it that much. No, look, Ben's nice. Sue doesn't do anything offensive. Reed's creepy the first time he sees Sue. Oh, you got your headphones? I'm going to speak to you. Yeah. <laughs> Victor's creepy. Um, Franklin Storm's odd. He gives his son a, a proper dressing off instead of, oh, I'm really worried about you. Um, but yeah, you're right that no one gets to be with another character to develop a relationship. Victor Von Doom and Reed Richards is a proper rivalry, mm-hmm. or it should be, because it's Reed's fault that Victor had his accident, but they don't interact. There is no animosity. There's no reason why Victor should go mental in this film, no, why he should be a villain. I was expecting more from that. I was definitely expecting him to blame Reed for that, but nothing came of it. Well, it's the whole point of like him getting his powers. He's just Victor Von Doom getting his, you know, what ultimate powers, I suppose. He He's just completely... Like, left alone in that place. And during his... Well, is that a spoiler? Maybe I'll edit that out. But, you know, when he gets his powers, he's cut off from everybody. But they don't even acknowledge he's not there anymore at any point. The other one... Okay, this might be spoiler, but I'll tell you about it anyway. He's left on a planet for a year. The first chance he gets, he leaves. Within 15 minutes, he's back with the intention of spending the rest of his life there and destroying all life on Earth. Yeah, because that's how much he hated it. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. No, I... none of it does. And nope. can I talk Ben? Because Ben makes the least amount of sense. Yeah. Right, the idea about Ben Grimm, one bit that did actually work was the body horror bit. Where oh, they get yeah. their powers, yeah. Yeah. And oh my God, Johnny is actually on fire. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, my shins are four feet long. And... Ben wakes up encased in rocks, and Ben Grimm has a self-loathing thing, which he comes to accept that he's a thing. Except in this film, he doesn't cover himself up. He's not allowed to cover himself up. He's He ends up working with the military. He doesn't get a uniform. They don't even paint stripes on him. <laughs> he just walks around naked. And that is not how someone who has issues with his body, in that he hates it, yeah. would be happy with. 
Ben Grimm, after the accident, is kept in a cell, naked, and then let out when they need him to kill someone. After a year. What the hell is this? Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, how, how does it differ then, uh, Brian? Because you've read Ultimate Comics, the, the yeah. Fantastic Four and the Ultimate Comics version. How different are the interpretations from that to this film? Um, are they very different, or is it taking a lot of its inspiration from, from that Mark Miller, Brian M. Bendis sort of run? In the Ultimates, okay, it's still the five of them. They mm-hmm. go out as a as a group. They get split around the world. They get reunited apart from Victor. No one's seen Victor. He's in Denmark setting up a commune, and he has goat legs. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that one. Couldn't okay. any worse than it did in this film. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's still the idea that don't worry, we, we can fix this. I mean, I, I assume that's why Ben goes along. They make the point that Ben goes along with the army because you have a cure for me, right? But he just takes that on faith. What you needed in that to show the relationship between Ben and Reed, which has been the hallmark of the first like half hour of the film, is, don't worry, you're my buddy, I'll solve this. Instead of, laters, bye, I'm going to yeah. go away for a year. But every time this film should have zigged, it zagged. And it makes terrible choice after terrible choice about how to tell a story and how to make its characters act like reasonable people would. Mm-hmm. They, they, they serve our story and the story doesn't work. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair comment, really. It just doesn't work. There's just no point in the film that feels like... It's it. It feels like actually you've got lots of different ideas and no idea of how put how to put them together. Really, lots of different concepts, lots of different strands for what each character should be doing. But there's there's nothing to really bring them together because they don't feel like um, a group of friends at any point. At even, most, but, you could say they're colleagues. You know, but even Sue and Johnny, and there's been a huge thing made about that with people beforehand. Okay. She's adopted, they're a family, that's fine. But please show me that they're a family. Yes. Sue gets no screen time with Johnny. I think the only time they interact is when they accidentally fight later on. I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's the only time he says something directly to her. I think there's a point where he's working on the computer and she's in the same room and then she's leaving and he says it's good to see you again i think yeah. that might be the only other moment that that i can think where there's just those two on screen together yeah, when Johnny just comes in. no it isn't no it's a hint at best about a relationship between them but nothing developed i mean the the whole point of the fantastic four isn't the the trappings it isn't the old oh, ben should be wearing blue pants it's the fact they are a core group a family, and yeah. this film doesn't understand what a family is, and what a family is like, and how to present it. It's terrible at relationships, which is the core of what this story should be about. I think that's what really annoyed me as well about um, about Johnny and Sue, because 
obviously like she's adopted into the family and I thought oh great this this is a chance for them to like kind of show that you know like in a, on a smaller scale that it's not all about being blood relations it's about being a family being a family is something you know different you don't have to be related by blood um, family is what you make yeah exactly so I was thinking oh maybe so maybe they're gonna you know use that use her being adopted as, as showing that and I was like no okay no no we're not going to show any of that it's just going to be you know, four people just kind of literally thrown together at the end. Did, um, did they film the first draft? Is that what we got? <laughs> I don't know. I think because there's an amazing... The ideas are there. Yeah. But nothing happens with them. I think there's an amazingly fascinating story to go behind the making of this film. I've, I don't I've think we're going to hear it for a long time. Did, did anybody listen to the Josh Trank on Kevin Smith podcast? No, I can't no. Stay. no, not for me. Oh, I can't, I, I can't fucking fucking Smith either. Like, <laughs> and, and and Josh Trank is like, you know, it's we're twenty minutes off into an anecdote about doing karaoke with his stepmom, but there's a bit in it. It's a tough listen, hmm. but some of the bits you're talking about makes a bit of sense. Like, I want to do like a, a sci-fi thing, and he's had folks saying he loves the technology in the film more than he loves the characters. Some of the science in it is, is nonsense. But there is a very cool bit in it where he talks about his first gig um, in the film industry and he was an editor when he was like 18. And he said, the one thing I learned is to shut your fucking mouth in front of your boss. <laughs> I listened to that on the day he tweeted. I had a film last year. It would have been really good. <laughs> you, are never, you are never working in Hollywood again. It's yeah. This is probably the the end of his career, in sort of this big budget terms. Anyway. Yeah, it's a shame because I, I liked Chronicle. Actually, I want to talk about some things. There were there was like five minutes of the film that I really liked. Okay, and I really like to talk about them because I feel like everyone is is slating this film, and rightfully so. But were, there were are they, some bits they, that being the, the credits. No, they were not the credits. No, I was say, were they five consecutive minutes or five separate minutes? Possibly. <laughs> four consecutive minutes and one I don't know um, I really liked the bit where they were escaping what is to all intents and purposes the negative zone so the, the place mm. where they get their powers mm-hmm. from I thought that was really good I thought that was really well done apart from the obvious Prometheus oh why are you sticking your hand in that thing that you don't know what it does oh okay that's okay um, <laughs> <laughs> which, which was dumb but you know that, that whole bit I found quite kind of it was not obviously that Cronenberg, but it's kind of Cronenberg light, like 12A Cronenberg. Well, that's who Trank said was his inspiration yeah. for this oh, film. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to be on the fly. That that was his idea. Yeah, yeah. that's like, interesting. Fantastic Four versus the Fly. There was yeah. definitely a bit of the Fly, and especially in the bit that follows, where they're all kind of discovering their powers. I definitely got an element of the Fly there as well, where he's kind of uh, where where Reedy's kind of crawling away, and his leg stays where it is, and he kind of looks yeah. behind, and he's like, "Oh, my legs are twenty feet long." Um, that I thought I thought that was really good, and, and the bit where you're you're kind of discovering what powers they have, I thought that was all really good. So yeah, that was probably five consecutive minutes. I actually thought the guy who played Doom uh, initially. I thought he was really good. I don't think anyone has come out of this film particularly well. Uh, I really like Michael B. Jordan, but he did not have enough to do. I, no, I really did. like Miles Teller, but he re is a dick, and I don't think he could have done any better with it. Um, 
I mean, like, although he himself is apparently a massive dick, is that that yeah, was going I've on heard, Twitter I've recently, heard that wasn't now. it? Yeah. Have you read the Esquire interview? Yeah, I just I'm just talking about isn't well. Really, I think the only thing I've actually seen him in is Whiplash, and he was excellent in that. It was written really weirdly, but he did say, "I'll make sure that the Uber driver doesn't rape you," which nice. is a bit of a dick move. Nice. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just know him as a... The only thing I've actually seen him in is Whiplash, and I thought he was so good in that. Uh, I don't know whether he was just elevated by J.K. Simmons. I think time will tell. Um, but I thought the guy who played uh, Victor Von Doom... Or he's, that's not actually his name, though, is it? It's not Victor It is actually Doom. his name. It, it was yeah. Victor Domashev, and then yeah. they, they revised it. It's but still it is Victor Von Doom. in certain places as Victor Domashev for some reason. Um but that yeah, I th- I thought he was actually really good in the well, as good as he was allowed to be in the in the first part of the film. Um, so you really got a sense of kind of isolation from him, and you know you actually you actually understood his motivations for doing what he did. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, mm, more than that's... you understood everyone else's. But his motivation goes from maybe we should like just get rid of all the people versus I'm gonna no, no, sorry, not that bit the bit no not the end bit I'm not no I'm talking about oh. like before ground zero that is the one year later card <laughs> I'm talking about the bit where they yeah, oh the astronaut bit the, yes 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 yeah yeah uh, I, yeah that was a good that bit actually, actually that, worked that was, a bit. yeah it's stupid yeah. but it worked you know you can you can kind of you know it's kind of silly but you could see what he what he was aiming at and i i thought he came out of it the best out of everyone despite having a very thinly written role um but yeah i, I don't think even even uh freddie from house of cars doesn't come out of it particularly well to be perfectly honest and he comes out of everything really well i did like reggie kathy as um that's, that's who i mean yeah, I I Storm, yeah. <laughs> he was he was pretty good yeah um, but he's got a great voice as well. Talking about Morgan Freeman, maybe they should start giving the roles to Reggie Cathy. Yeah, definitely. Got a fantastic voice. That seems like a, a good place to end this podcast. Just some recommendations for the week ahead from all of us. I'm going to do what I usually do and stick with a film that's on the telly. Uh, on Wednesday evening on, or night time, on ITV2 is not a film that's usually in their regular rotation and that's the original final destination at quarter to 11 i think it's i was having this debate with someone at work today um because they were trying to get recommendations for their nieces who are staying with them two two 15 year old girls and they want something that's a bit scary to watch with them but not too scary and i said ah final destination is pretty good and they were like yeah but that's not really like a good film though i was like what it's not getting with final destination Big accident. People who were in the accident but weren't in the accident start getting bumped off one by one. Random twist uh, e- at the end. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's exactly what you get. You know what you're getting. You go in there. You want to see people skewered through the eye with yeah. a concrete post or something. You know. It's all about the escalating, incredibly hard to believe death scenes. That's exactly it. Yeah. Okay, uh, Carol. Um, I'm going to go for one of my favourite films ever, which is rarely on TV. I'm delighted to see it's on this week. Um, at 25 to midnight on Friday is Gross Point Blank, which is fantastic. Absolutely love it. One of John Cusack's, probably John Cusack's best performance, to be fair, okay. honest. Okay, and Owen? Um, on Wednesday at 1.40am, so Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, is um, 
an Akira Kurosawa film called Throne of Blood, which is basically a Japanese feudal Macbeth. But it, it's interesting. I was just looking for recommendations on tvguide.co.uk. They've got Throne of Blood under the category Bollywood and World. I'm guessing it's more World oh, yeah. than Bollywood. Bollywood yeah. And hmm. uh, Brian. Yeah, I don't actually know. Just get me out and don't ask me to edit that bit out. Fair enough. Okay, so <laughs> that is all for this week's podcast. So thanks to everyone who's listened. Thanks to everyone who's contributed in any way to the side of the podcast. Yeah, so once again, thank you all for listening. We'll be back around the same time next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.